This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Hey! <laughs> hey! What's going on? Good morning. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. What's going on, Amy? What's going on, Catherine? What's going on, Darren? What's going on, Oh, with the red iPhone recording me right now? Hopefully, I look classy. I'm in the studio with Selena Hill and Alyssa Fuchs. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yes! yes Happy white people drink and fight in the streets day. Woo. Yes! And, and don't get arrested day. <laughs> Word. That is a factory. That's a super fact. My name is Stanley, guys. Do you love me? I love you. You can find me on the Twitter streets at Stan Fritz, where I got into a Twitter fight with a state senator earlier this week while I was also tweeting out ratchetness. And he tried to be cool, so I said weird flex, but okay. You can find me there at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Instagram at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Snapchat. Not really, but at Dark Skin Swindle. You can find me on Facebook at Stanley Goodhair Fritz. My head does not look good. I don't know what I was thinking. Stanley, why are you Twitter beefing with state senators? So he is not supporting campaign finance reform with a 6-1 match at the state level. And what that means is publicly financed elections. And I got mad about that. And when I tried to press him about it, he started going, oh, well, you know, I'm in Albany and I'm working on the issues people care about, like criminal justice reform and bail reform, which are all issues that I'm working on. So I was like, I bet weird flex, but OK, I'm working on that, too. So anyways, we had like a 25 comment argument where a whole bunch of random people jumped into the conversation and got wild spicy. So one person was like, Louie, we're going to primary you. So then the senator slid into my DMs. He was like, who's this guy that's pressing me? And I was like, I don't know, but he wants to smoke. But anyways, no one cares about my life. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, so I am Alyssa Fuchs, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs, I-L-Y-S-S-A. Last name is F-U-C-H-S, and that's at Alyssa Fuchs on Twitter and Alyssa.Fuchs on Instagram. Um, I'm your political and legal correspondent, if I didn't already say that. I was not beefing this week with uh, state senators, although I have beefed with them in the past. Actually, I think my last beef was with a former congressman, and we got into an argument about socialism um, because he claimed that, you know, people having health care was going to somehow destroy America or something like that. You know, because conservatives don't really think things out all the time. Um, But anyway, so, yeah, I guess I'm here for that spicy-ish. And um, on that (laughs) note... I'm going to pass it to... Sriracha's not spicy, beloved. No, it's not. Uh, That's why I get that real chili paste stuff in the jar. Um, I'm going to pass it to my right, to uh, my girl, Selena. Good morning, guys, and welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. As Alyssa already said, my name is Selena Hill. Of course, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Selena Hill. Mm-hmm. And I know Stanley wants to just like... I want to comment on your shirt. I know you do. Go ahead. <laughs> no. I know I know you want to joke and crack on what I'm wearing. I have so the best ahead. shirt. Your shirt looks like a vision board, Selena. <laughs> you know what? I'll take what? that. You'll take yes, that? because that means that I'm living my vision. It's like a whole tub Kenty cloth. You, All right, guys. Anyway, <laughs> that's so racist. Have, maybe. So we have a great show lined up. We're going to be talking about everything with Aunt Becky, who we know has been arrested for that huge college admission scandal. I mean, it's just ironic that her name is Becky. It was so ironic. Like, because like at first when I saw Aunt Becky trending on Twitter, I was just like, what did Becky do now? And I'm like, oh, no, no, they mean the real Aunt Becky from Full House. Damn. We so, thought we thought that somebody was having a barbecue scandal again. Seriously. But instead it was a college admission scandal where white people paying other people off to get their kids into college, even though they're not that smart. Yes. So what else is new, right? So before we even talk about that, we're also going to be talking about that horrible 
uh, Islamic uh, shooting that happened at a mosque in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. We know that 50 people were uh, killed, gunned down by white supremacists. I literally was in tears this morning. I mean, this just can't keep happening here in our world. So we're going to talk about that and everything else that's going on. And of course, if you want to let your voice be heard, continue to leave those comments on Facebook Live. Shout out to everyone who's watching us live right now. Of course, you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio and you can call us up at 212-650-6903. All right, guys, we're going on a quick break. But when we come back, we're talking about all of the news stories of the week. Hold this on. We're not going yet, Selena, because today is March 17th. And what? because I love my whites, white people, I'm going to hold you down today. You know what song is coming up. Watch this. Hennessy with applesauce. Hey, hey, with applesauce. You know how I know I'm washed? I'm out of breath. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. Like, could you imagine if 22-year-old Stanley could see you now? 22-year-old Stanley will be somewhere in NYU dormitories having some problematic sex. You know Anyways, who? Guys. I just want to say Stanley is fully showing off because we have special guests in the building. This so Stanley. ignorant. Right, no, it's serious. Like, Stanley becomes even more ignorant. But um, we are back. <laughs> this is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3. I found the voice of Harlem again. I'm Selena Hill here with my co-host, Stanley Fritz, Alyssa Fuchs. What, but, what? but you know what? I appreciate the energy because I was literally going to faint this morning because I didn't take my Geritol. Then you Mali. <laughs> no, then you put that, um, yeah, so, and then you put that, no. that's, that EDM one. So you thank you, Stanley. You yes. You used to pop Mali. I'm sweating. Woo! Oh, you still remember Yeah, it. of course. Oh, okay, we cool, haven't played cool, Trinidad cool. James in years. Well, he hasn't played either, so that's but, his fault. I mean, hey. I mean, you know, we could also play the Vitamin D song. She likes that one, too. Well, I thought it was in your house. <laughs> Hold on. That's not mine. <laughs> no, you're talking about Takashi 69 No. No, it's talking about Beyonce. Talking about Future. Oh, future. Okay, look, I get everything all confused. So, guys, yes, we are talking about all the news stories of the past week that made us infuriated or laugh or cry, some type of emotion. And I definitely wanted to start off with this mass scooting in New Zealand because literally I was brought to tears when I found out that a white supremacist live streamed his terrorist attack on peaceful people who were praying in a mosque on one of their holy days or the, or the muslim sabbath so he literally walks in just starts shooting people goes back to his car gets another gun starts shooting people killing people and then he drives to, i think like another mosque and, and i think he yells donald trump in the middle of all that <laughs> like no 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 so then get this afterward so donald trump he was doing a press conference about how he wants to shut down the border wall and they asked him like do you think that white nationalism is on the rise and he completely dismissed it and he was like no it's just a small group of people with problems but mind you the white supremacist that killed all of these people in the mosque he not only did he subscribe to donald trump's rhetoric he actually supports trump and they were using some of the same language so in the manifesto that the white supremacist put out he said that you know um, non-white immigrants are invading our country and then donald trump says the same day immigrants are invading our country i mean and the other thing about it is with respect to donald trump's comments is that he's like oh it's just a small group of people but if one muslim person commits an act of terrorist mm -hmm. then it's not just a small group of people it's like oh my god all the muslims and he starts saying like generalizations and demonizing all muslims so y there's also this level of hypocrisy that whenever somebody who's muslim commits a crime uh it's automatically all muslims and if one white person commits a crime um or a terrorist attack it's just a small group of people it's just like the same crap like back in charlottesville 
Bill when he was trying to equate these things being like, oh, there's bad people on both sides. But the, the thing that I found the most pointed about the whole thing is, and obviously, I mean, one, I didn't find it to be surprising. I did find it to be disgusting and upsetting, mm-hmm. is the way in which um, the prime minister in New Zealand reacted to the whole thing. Uh, one, went to all the funerals wearing a full hijab. Two, announced that New Zealand is going to cover the cost of all the funerals and support the families. And three, announced that New Zealand was going to automatically move to pass legislation to ban all assault rifles after one mass shooting. Meanwhile, here in America, we've had over a thousand mass shootings, I think, just in the past like two or three years. And you even talk about even some minor reasonable gun regulation. And all of a sudden, these right wing terrorists start yelling that we're violating their rights or something. So I'm, I'm really happy that the president of New Zealand is doing this. Um, and it's the right thing to do, and it's a good show of support and love. But the problem is that we won't talk about the real problem, which is white people and white supremacy. And until we start talking about white people and how dangerous they are to all people, but particularly b- black and brown people, we're going to continue to have this problem. Get rid of all the automatic rifles you want. Ban all guns. They will make pipe bombs. Ban the pipe bombs. They will run for office, run on racism, win, and then legalize it. Make sure they can't get into power. They will steal office and then pass legislation that hurts us. And the reason that happens is because of white supremacy these people don't just pop up when they wanted to kill people they are raised to a world that centers white people as the first and when the world starts to shift and say whiteness isn't everything they don't know how to handle it and instead of someone saying you know what we got to change the conversation and show you where you need to show up in the world we're telling them no you should be mad you should be angry you should go after those people and now they're doing it what did we expect yeah, I, I mean, it's terrible. But again, um, you know, I give applause to uh, New Zealand's officials and the prime minister who are who are acting so quickly to try to make this right or at least try to do something that yeah. gives me hope. And, the you know, her being a hijab to show respect like we could never even ask our a president or like even like a lot of officials here to do anything like that because yeah. they wouldn't do it. But um, I'm really happy that they are moving forward on that. Speaking of things moving forward. We know that Paul Manafort uh, in the past few days was actually sentenced again, I think this time to seven years in prison, Alyssa. Yeah, correct. Um, on top of the four years right. he basically already got, which is 11 years, yeah. which is still really not that much time when you look at it in comparison to the amount of time that black and brown people are sentenced to for mm-hmm. low-level, nonviolent, mostly drug offenses. They gave the black mayor from Detroit 28 years. Mm. And all he was doing was texting his side chick on the government phone. So, I mean, well, look, didn't Mark Sanford went down to Argentina? He was supposedly hiking in the Appalachian Mountains while he was visiting his mistress, and then he got reelected. So, Wait, I thought I was a skip that? from Parks and Rec. That was a real thing? No, that really happened. <laughs> what? That's, that's South Carolina for you. Wow. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then, like, that goes back to your initial point about the way in which white supremacy manifests itself. It just yeah. doesn't manifest itself when we talk about policing, although obviously it's embedded there and through our criminal justice system and through our politics, but also things like this. Like, if a black person or if Obama went and flew to Argentina to cheat on Michelle Obama with a mistress, he it would be that. not that he would. I know he wouldn't, but yeah. it would be like the biggest scandal ever but you know if Obama wears a tan suit that's a scandal but meanwhile white man who can go do that and then he gets reelected and that's that's the way that white supremacy I just really want to point itself. out according to statistics black men don't cheat so that would never happen with Obama anyway but I understand your point you're wearing the wrong sweatshirt today I know it's no it's a washing machine um, but I want to move on to some, to some other very frustrating news well not for me but for giant fans <laughs> the New York Giants <laughs> traded Odell Beckham Jr. not because he was bad at football not because he was beating up women or committing crimes, but because he was too emotional. What? Yes. That's why they 
Yes. Hold on. And apparently, I know that there was one video clip on Twitter where he kicked the flagpole and the flagpole kicked him back. And then he was injured for like a week because of it. They felt that he was too emotional. So they traded him. They got a draft pick and a defensive player. And they're going to take a cap hit for it. And all the Giant fans are either really, really, really upset or saying he wasn't good for the team because he was too emotional. But Stanley, this kind of sounds like a case of task. Toxic masculinity where mm-hmm. we see like men are always taught to be so strong and not to show emotion. And it sounds like Odell Beckham was actually showing some and he's being penalized. Well, there's always been a lot of criticism towards Odell because folks feel that like he's a little bit too effeminate. Feminine, like, and, like flamboyant. That he's gay. And if he is, OK, cool. He's gay. But the NFL is a place that's like very hyper masculine. Right. They don't really care about beating up women because Greg Hardy almost killed his girlfriend and they made him team captain and gave him a contract extension. We had the other player who kicked a white girl down some steps and he got cut from his team and signed by another team less than 24 Didn't hours later. did somebody like get assaulted in an elevator? Or Ray Rice. Yes. OK. I was not confusing that with Solange no, and the Jay-Z fight in well, the elevator, which also it, happened. But that's a different story. Black men don't cheat. But anyways, when um. Ray Rice um, knocked out his fiance or wife at the time in the elevator. The NFL didn't really do anything until the video leaked, and then they suspended him. Well, because you know the NFL has a high tolerance for domestic violence, you know, um, animal cruelty, uh, concussions, uh, brain damage, and the like. But a very murder. low murder. Um, but a very low tolerance for I don't know being effeminate or um, social justice. Dante Stallworth killed somebody with a car. Mm. Did a year in prison and got signed into a four-year contract as soon as he came out. Well, you know, look, the NFL's problematic. We know this, but this is why I don't watch football anymore. Uh, um, you know, speaking of other things, uh, there's some other really sad stories this week about oh yeah. problematic planes. Yep. Um, and there was a big plane crash in Ethiopia. A lot of people were killed. It's the second plane crash of the same type of plane that's happened in two years. And all of a sudden it came out that Boeing, which is the manufacturer of the plane, is also sort of in bed with Donald Trump and Republicans. No surprise there because Republicans are always in bed with big business. And it took the United States like five days longer than everybody else to decide that maybe it wasn't a good idea for us to fly these planes until we figure out what's going on. Um, You know, kind of like when Donald Trump shuts down the border because he wants to figure out what's going on. But here we actually have some evidence that there's really something going on, but it takes forever to do it because, you know, God forbid Boeing's stock takes a hit because it's an American company and Trump and the CEO of Boeing like to play golf with each other's white you know, Fun fact about Boeing, on the weekend. they pay zero dollars in taxes every single year. And they screw their employees, too, don't yeah, they? They pay no taxes whatsoever. I mean, at all. the incompetence here is just unbearing. I'm happy that we did finally take some action because, I mean, the plane crashes that happened this week were really, really scary. You know, if anybody here travels in on a plane, like, you know, just a little bit of turbulence is like already detrimental but to find out that Boeing is having some issues like mechanical issues with their plane no, it's a software issue actually and they've been trying to fix the software for I guess they said like months now really it's like if, if Apple has a software problem they usually do a software update within like five days and even that sometimes is too long with a security issue but now you're literally talking about a plane and the software on a plane and then you also have this situation where pilots are not paid enough and so they are not trained in properly how to like manually fly planes they rely too much on this automation so you're literally getting on an airplane with a pilot that relies on a computer system that's screwed up that relies on software that's screwed up and the pilot doesn't actually know how to fly the plane properly manually because we don't pay them
them enough. So, mm. you know, that's kind mm. of like, and then people wonder why I get crazy when it comes to flying. And like, I, oh, wanna, yeah. I like traveling. I want to travel places. But every time I get on a plane, I feel a little bit of turbulence. I'm like, oh, my God, we're dying. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So speaking of that, I was listening to NPR this week. And it, I mean, this morning. And it turns out that o- Uber is actually in the process of revealing flying taxis. And they said they are on par to unleash, unveil this by 2023. So, I mean, we're speaking about flying. Miss me with that. Miss me with that. You're not trying to get in a flying Uber? Hell no. (laughs) Did you hear a report about the self-driving cars that are more likely to hit black people? Stop. All of them. They're all. Oh, because they can't see us in the dark. Right? (laughs) Yo. <laughs> because they All don't right. see color. I'm going to Wakanda. I'm you know, anyway. Before we move on, I do want to go to yeah. one positive story this yes, week, positive. which is growing out of something negative that happened also involving guns. So full circle back to our first story is the families of the children killed in Sandy Hook institute a lawsuit against Remington, which is the manufacturer of the Bushmaster, which is the uh, automa- semi-automatic rifle that was used by um, the killer to murder innocent children. I will not say his name. Uh, it's Sandy Hook elementary school and there are multiple laws that have been passed by pretty much Republicans in Congress that make it almost impossible to sue gun manufacturers when a weapon is used to commit a mass shooting. But um, the plaintiffs in this case have used a very novel theory of law called negligent entrustment. Um, And numerous times, at least two times, I think the lawsuit was sort of struck down, but then there was appeals. And now the the appeals court in Connecticut has again revived the lawsuit and said that the plaintiffs can proceed with their lawsuit against Remington. So that is very positive. And it's also very interesting because if this law lawsuit turns out to be successful, it paves the groundwork for many other lawsuits against weapons manufacturers when there are mass shootings using these weapons. And that may create a situation where the weapons manufacturers have to rethink the weapon sales um, and whether they should manufacture certain semi-automatic weapons and um, market them also to young people that have issues, which is a big issue in this case. Absolutely. That's a big news, actually. Yeah, no, that is. That's actually a really big deal, really big news. We'll continue to follow that here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Before we go to break, I just want to give a shout-out to Amy Jones, who left a comment on our Facebook Live. She said tomorrow is her G-Day. So happy early birthday to Amy. And we also had another comment from Dara Carlima. Uh, she says, but where is Aunt Becky's headshots? We're going to get to Aunt Becky, her headshots. And yes, you're right. I want to see I want to see if she really got arrested too. Like, it's time to release that, right? All right, so we're going to go on a break. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. When we come back, we're talking about that huge college admission scandals. We'll be right back. Please, Facebook, lie, don't cut me. Y'all for that ish. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I am here with Selena Hill with the Kente Cloth Hotep sweatshirt. And, of course, Alyssa Fuchs Esquire with the blood red shirt that says Influencer. We are in here in the studio with a packed house, including, oh, the iPhone red god sitting in the studio and some popping podcasters who haven't come out yet but when they do you are going to be excited for the content that they give to you guys we are talking about what are we talking about selena i forgot cheating yes cheating black men don't cheat yes not black men though white people cheat no offense Alyssa. different show so white though but you know what before we do that guys if you want to leave your comments of course let them leave your comments on facebook live and if you want to call in the number is 212 650 69 
0-3. And also, for all of the guys who want to support us, be sure to go to patreon.com slash beheardradio. And if you leave a small donation there, we will continue to support the issues and the causes that you care about. And we got the link in the comments for you if you're watching on Facebook live stream. So, that being said... The college admissions corruption scandal that broke last week revealed a lot, right? It revealed that Hollywood stars like Aunt Becky from Full House, the one with the good hair, business executives, and other wealthy people were allegedly using bribery and cheating tactics to get their children into elite colleges. So the Justice Department announced that federal lawyers indicted 50 people on racketeering charges for allegedly facilitating or taking part in a nationwide fraud to game admissions at top colleges. Now, according to this indictment, the conspiracy included a system of bribes such as um, bribing people at testing centers who could help them help the students with their SATs or their ACT scores. They also had Fake students take the test for them. Uh, on top of that, they were pretending that these students were college were student athletes by using Photoshop to literally Photoshop someone's head on another athlete's body. Like man, white crazy. people will go to great lengths to cheat. Seriously, seriously. So, and I mean, they were paying this guy. This the man's name is Rick Singer. They were paying him up to uh, like half a million dollars to get their kids into Yale and all these other elite schools right so it turns out that the students themselves they didn't even know that their parents were cheating for them so a lot of them were like oh I did so well on my SAT scores maybe I should take the test again and see if I do even better so and they were like oh no 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 like they didn't even tell them that that they didn't get into these schools on their own merit they were like no no whatever you guys you got it you got it so it turns out that after everything was unraveled and now we know what's going on, people got arrested, including Aunt Becky, like I mentioned. She was one of the people that was arrested. Her spouse, her husband, he was also arrested. And they're saying that this was a nationwide scandal. So that means there's probably more people who will probably get arrested for participating in this. And the man behind it all, again, his name is Rick Singer. He said he's been doing this for 24 years getting people into these colleges. And of course, not only are they rich, but most of them are white. Like I haven't seen any person of color be indicted or uh, charged yet. So, you know, I, I think it's safe to assume that most of these people are rich and white. Um, but you know what? Further than that, I think that this reveals something about the system, the education system itself. It allows for illegal bribes and fraud but should we really be blaming the people who participated or do we need to take a second look at the system itself? So with all that being said, Alyssa, I want to ask you, what was your reaction to the scandal? Uh, my reaction was to be not surprised. Um, I mean, it really, you know, they say money greases the wheels of politics, but money really greases the wheels of everything in this country because we are, in fact, a capitalist country. And so what does it take? It just takes money. Uh, this just reminds me of this time that I was at a nightclub in Las Vegas and they said the dance floor was closed and then two white guys came up and they handed the bouncer on that was saying the dance floor was closed a $20 bill and then all of a sudden the dance floor was 
was open. Um, so we're talking about affluent people that mostly want to pay full price for their kids to go to these schools that are, you know, cost forty, fifty thousand dollars a year versus lower income people that are looking to get scholarships. And because they want to pay full price, the colleges already want to take their children in um, more than they want to take in people that they have to offer scholarship money from, which already gives them a leg up before you even start to get into the cheating. And then on the other hand, you always have rich, white, mostly white, I should say, privileged people that feel that they are entitled or that their children are entitled to go to whatever school that they can afford to get them into and or if they are not smart enough to get into, pay off somebody else to get them in. Um, This is just one little notch in a long history of, uh, you know, rich people paying off other people to get their kids into things that their kids couldn't otherwise get into, while low income and mostly people of color work their butts off to try and get into colleges and in many times don't get in. Um, And, you know, so like, I don't know, lack of surprise, but also aggravation about the whole thing. You know what? When I heard this, I was like, this is why I didn't get into Harvard. Stanley, go ahead. You probably didn't have a great for Harvard, beloved. <laughs> I didn't. But, you know, so I want to just read a quick comment that Michael Loeb made on my watch party. And he said, you know, like the problem is over here is that like we give white people the pass for stuff that they do because they have money and they have privilege when really we should be holding them accountable ethically and also morally for what they do. When I heard this story, I wasn't surprised. It's standard operating procedure to do this. If you are white and you have money, it's like it's like when you're um, playing Super Mario and then you get the star, it maximizes his power. When you're white and you have money, it maximizes your privilege. So I wasn't surprised about this at all. What what it really did make, make me feel, though, was really upset and angry. Um, I know a couple of years ago there was that black mother who got five years in, in prison because she put her son in a school where that wasn't his zip code, but she put him in that school because it was a better school, and she got in trouble for that. And in New York City right now, white people who have gentrified black neighborhoods and have changed those schools are now fighting to keep black and brown kids out of those schools because those kids aren't smart enough, and they might be dangerous to their kids. You know what? So, like... Truthfully speaking, my initial reaction to the cheating scandal was, honestly, at first I was like, I don't blame the parents because, I mean, I've seen things done like this to a far lesser degree throughout my entire life. Like, for instance, I know parents who literally wrote their students' um, college essay paper for them so they can get into the school that I went to, SUNY or Westbury. I've also seen throughout schooling like parents who do their child science project they also do their kids homework so I'm like to me they're just taking it to a a bigger level and a higher degree and of course it's illegal but then when I started to look more into it I was like the scandal it kind of feels like a sign of the times it shows the divide between the rich who cheat their way to the top while everyone else has to climb their way to the top the hard way. I mean, and it, and it dispels the myth of the meritocracy, the idea that if you work hard and you do the right thing, that you're going to be the one to get ahead. Because what we really know in this country is that you can work really, really hard and you can try and get ahead. But if you don't already have the money or the influence, you're exactly like Selena says, crawling your way from the bottom. And maybe you'll get there or maybe you won't because some rich white person is paying for their kid to get in. Um, but, you know, with that said, I, I just, you know, to push back a little bit on your comments, Selena, is that, you know, I, I see where you're coming from that, you know, you sort of agree with them, but I think there's no. a, f- like you know, you, you understood where they were coming from to want to do the best for their children. But I think there's a far difference between helping your child out with their science fair project and literally bribing somebody to get them into college. Um, but on that note, I'll actually go to a few comments that we're getting. Um, so Chantel Harris says, if you can bribe a school with millions of dollars and go to these lanes, why do they need an education? You go to school for an education 
education to make a better life. But if you have the money, your life is already fine. And that the uh, Chantel also says the ones who penalize, uh, participated need to be penalized and their degrees taken away and that money talks. Alex Turner says this ain't nothing new either. Um, and Dara Kalima says, yep, we still need to pull ourselves up by their bootstraps. They may not have and they paid for and um, Chantel asks how she wonders how poor white people feel about this matter. Poor white, people, poor white people probably feel just as outraged, mm-hmm. but they expect this. But they think what's happening is that the rich rich folks are getting ahead and the black people are getting ahead with EOP and with affirmative action and whatever else they think that we're getting. It. And this is the piece that gets me the most upset. A study came out about a week and a half ago that said that white neighborhoods almost always get more education funding than black neighborhoods, no matter how rich or poor those neighborhoods are. And even in Harlem right now, we are sitting in a, in a Harlem land in a town where just a couple of blocks away from here is a public school where almost 90% of the kids are failing their reading and math test. So because we're not getting the funding we need, we're not getting the support that we need, and then, of course, we're instead investing a bunch of money into the police state and looking to arrest and criminalize these children from the very beginning. So you're already screwing us over from K-12, through and then you're taking up seats at the top of the colleges where kids can't afford to go on their own, have to fight tooth and nail to get in when they've already been given the pushback because they don't have the quality education, and then when they get there, they're told that they're affirmative action appointments. This whole system is messed up, and it's the reason why we got to A, end capitalism, and be destroyed white supremacy. I mean, you bring us to a great point, Stanley, because there are extreme racial disparities in education. And I think that this scandal really highlights that. Alyssa, did you see any of these disparities or a reflection of that? I mean, to me, the greatest disparity is something that you sort of touched on during your initial comments. The fact that there are people of color that will use somebody else's address, just Mm -hmm. merely use somebody else's address so that they can send their child to a, a better school. And those people are very often caught and criminalized in the same way that so many low-income people of color are criminalized in their neighborhoods, touching on what Stanley's talking about, due to things like broken windows policing. And yet when white people are doing this thing where they're literally finding this guy they called the key and paying him off to take the college admissions test for their kids or to say that their kids are in sports that they're not in. And it literally takes years. Supposedly the FBI has been investigating this for years and this has been going on for ages. And I, this is not, I'm sure, not the first time that this kind of thing has happened. But at the same time, to Stanley's point, I think the real scandal is the college admissions um, in and of themselves. Just the way in which people get into college. Everything from the fact that there's these very high um, application fees that mostly low-income people can't afford and it's very hard to get waivers, to the fact that you have to take all these standardized tests to be even considered for college, and that they look at these test scores more than they look at people's well-roundedness when they go to school. And, And then that goes down to the lowest levels, things that you were talking about before Stanley, which is the public education system. You know, these rich, white, affluent people have a leg up to begin with, even if their parents are not paying people off, because they normally can go to private schools um, or they even go to public schools in mostly upper middle class white neighborhoods where there are a lot more resources than there are in low income neighborhoods. And that gives those kids a leg up to begin with, even if their parents are not committing a crime. Absolutely. So on that note, we do have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we will continue talking about the college admissions scandal and what this really says about education in our country. I mean, education is supposed to be the great equalizer. But is it? This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. I don't know how much of school I'm going to attend, but I'm going to go in and talk to my deans and everyone and hope that I can try and balance it all. Um, But I do want the experience of like game days, partying. I don't really care about school, as you guys all know. 
We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here on the PC ones and twos in the course of Fake Butt Lives and the Watch Parties. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs and, of course, Selena Hill. And we have just been talking about rich people getting their kids into college for cash money, not education cash. Selena? Well, Stanley, talk about that video you just played. Apparently, that was Aunt Becky's daughter. Yes, Lori Laughlin is her real name. And okay. that was her daughter, um, Becky. Not Her, her real name isn't Becky. I don't Becky know Becky Jr.? Is. Becky, <laughs> Becky Jr., yeah. Little she was, Becky. So she got into the school, but pretty much the only reason she got into the school was so she can get a deal with Target where she would then be promoing school supplies. And then she was getting ready to go on tour to do another advertising partnership. So she was saying that she wasn't going to be in class for the first two months of the semester and that she was going to talk to her deans and everyone else like that because she did want the college experience of partying and drinking. And then she closed out the video by saying she doesn't really care about school. So, yeah. That is who is taking up a spot from um, a young woman of color to go to USC or whatever school she's in. By the way, when she found out that her mom was getting locked up for this, she was at a yacht party with the, one of the um, um, chair people from USC yep. at a yacht party. In so the Bahamas. But, you know, it also brings us to, you know, the point of you have these parents cheating when their, their children were already set up for a life of luxury. They were already privileged. They already have trust funds. They already have inherited millions. But yet and still, why did these parents think it's so important to get them an elite school, like a name brand school? And, you know, I know that people like Stanley and, you know, you've spoke about your background and how you know hard it was for you to get into school. It was almost like a lifesaver because... But where you came from, if you didn't go to school, you may not have been here right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't exaggerate when I say I would have been dead or in jail if I didn't go to college. College was literally the way that I got out of Brownsville. And I was, like, com- fully committed to doing that from the time I turned 16 and I got my first college brochure to UConn of all places. Thank God I didn't go to that white space. Um, and I was just, like, militantly trying to get in. And I remember I was taking my, my um, SATs and my practice SATs, and I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting the same scores as other kids. I remember one time I went to um, an SAT prep class um, that you got for free. So I figured I'll take this one class, see what they're teaching, and then practice it on my own because I couldn't afford to take classes altogether. And then one of the girls there was like, yeah, I got a 1400 the first time, so I guess I'll take it again, you know, just to see what happens. But I don't really want to go to college. I got I pulled like a 1090 on my SATs. Not bad. Not bad. But like if I would have had the same kind of tutelage that she had, maybe I could have gotten higher. And I wanted to go to Morehouse or UConn or Duke. And I got into Briarcliff College, Morehouse, which I couldn't afford, and SUNY Old Westbury. And I went to Briarcliff because they gave me a, a college scholarship for basketball. Who thought I could play ball? And I got my associate's there in a year and I transferred to Old Westbury. But if I didn't go to school and get out of that space, I don't know where my life would be right now because that was really the thing that I needed. And it was always told to me that was the way that I would break the cycle of poverty. But here I am now, like forty, fifty thousand dollars in, in student loan debt, still broke. So I don't know. Stanley, I'm so glad that you kept it real. Thank you so much for your transparency, because I think that also brings us to the part that. We are living in two realities where you have these rich kids who don't need to go to school, who are being cheated, who are like literally using cheating tactics so that they can get into school. Where you have other people who have to go to school in order to get a decent job or in order to escape an impoverished neighborhood. And then they come out with thousands of dollars in debt. 
And it's like this cycle is set up to keep us back, to keep us oppressed while the rich keep winning. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'll just um, mention a comment from our co-host, Jackie Cohn, who unfortunately couldn't be here today. Um, but she said that the student loan debt, sh- debt issue is a really a big issue because it leads to a situation where you basically have two realities that Selena sort of just pointed out. Um, on one hand, you have kids that are so privileged that their parents are just willing to spend thousands of dollars to bribe college officials so they can get in. And then on the other hand, you have kids who are taking on a lifetime of debt just to get a degree. And it's the perfect embodiment of the tremendous wealth gap in this country and And Jackie says it goes to show that the education system is not the quote unquote great equalizer it claims to be or should be. Um, And and I think that sort of hits the nail on the head. And yes, like for me personally, my student loan debt came from law school. I went also to a SUNY school. Originally, I went to Binghamton. And then after that, I transferred to Stony Brook. And my parents were able to pay for my undergrad. Um, And so, you know, I got out of uh, undergrad with no loans, unlike Stanley, who, who, you know, unfortunately has a lot of loans and therefore did not go to law school like I did because he did not want to take yeah, on more debt. That's actually exactly why I didn't go to law school. And so, you know, yes, while my, I have a lot of debt and my debt comes from my law school debt, you know, I'm still obviously not in a position where all these privileged people that go with no debt. Right. Um, and, and it goes back to this fact that when we talk about income inequality and you have a guy like Bernie Sanders running for president right now, it's not just about the wealth gap. It's also about the education gap because education is not the great equalizer when you have a situation where people, even middle class people, can't afford to get an education without taking on a lifetime's worth of debt. Um, you know, but that obviously is even more frustrating when you're talking about low-income people of color. The, you, the New York Times did a profile article this week, and they spoke to a bunch of low-income students uh, that are from Kansas City, Missouri, um, and they basically interviewed this one woman. Her name is Kayana Jackson. She's 17 years old, and she's a senior at Kaufman High School, and she says, it's frustrating that people are able to obtain their opportunities this way. She says, we put in work from 5th grade to 12th grade every single day. We come in early, we leave late, and it's still not enough. What does it take? You work every day, and yet they still find a way. Yeah, no, and, and I think that this also speaks to the reason why we need affirmative action, right? The reason why affirmative action was even created as a policy was to help level the playing field, because for a long time, people of color, ch- children of color, could not go to school with white folks, and then, once we could go to school, there were these huge disparities, these huge gaps in how some people are being raised versus the other people and the school systems that they come from. So Stanley, why is it still necessary for us today in 2019 to have affirmative action? I don't want affirmative action. I don't care about it. We should invest in black colleges and universities. Why, why is like Benedict about to lose its accreditation? If, we're putting, if we put our money into these black colleges and they grow up and they get bigger and better, then all of our kids can go there. And then like how Howard is now where everybody wants to go to Howard, it'll be like that. Because these schools, these PWIs, predominantly white institutions, and these universities that were pretty much built up by slave dollars don't give a damn about black and brown bodies. They just care about getting that government funding so that they can keep on building and building. And if I'm going to spend money on an education which may or may not guarantee my child will have a better life, I want them to go to a black school. Well, you know what, Stanley? I love that idea, especially in theory. But as someone who (laughs) applied for 13 schools... Mm at least half of them being HBCUs. I got into 12. I couldn't afford Howard. I couldn't afford Hampton. And that's why I went to SUNY Westbury. Uh, HBCU. So, well, it's not. It's not. It's an unofficial. But the thing is, 
these HBCUs, as you're talking about, they're private schools and they cost more money. And what's happening is like a lot of the graduates, because they we still suffer from racism and these systematic barriers of oppression. Once we actually graduate from these schools, we're not in a financial predicament to actually give large sums of money. The reason why Yale, Harvard and all of these white schools have so much money is because of the endowments that they receive. Yeah. And it's because these parents give millions of dollars because they can afford it because like they have generational wealth to spare. So I think I take a different position. I think what needs to happen is Congress needs to enforce state laws that would help um, the, the government funding be invested equally in these schools because what's happening is the schools that are primarily white and wealthy they get more state funding but if we could prioritize schools that were receiving that actually cater to low-income communities and students of color then that would help level the playing field no give me my reparations <laughs> you know how many of these schools got rich and built off of like slave labor let me get some of those coins back georgetown don't give the tenants of slaves free access to your school no cut a billy and and pass it on to more house. And if you want to hear look. more about that, you can listen to last week's show because we mm. talked about that on last week's show. Um, right. I, I just want to jump in here for a second on you. So to your point, Stanley, about affirmative action, it's an interesting point because they've done studies on this and what they found is that colleges are trying to diversify their student bodies and so universities are recruiting students of different racial and economic backgrounds. However, those opportunities actually in a lot of cases come with backlash because for students of color, they are end up getting their qualifications questioned when they arrive on these elite campuses which uh, you know as if they're whether or not they're supposed to be there and yet we never question whether some of these rich white people are supposed to be there and then we find out that some of these rich white people didn't get in because they're actually smart they got in because mommy and daddy were paying people off let me cut in but for one second because the one piece i want to mention about affirmative action you know the two groups that helps the most white women and asian people, people yeah so what are we what are we doing here um, and, and to Selena's point, you know, while I agree with all the things you said about college and college funding, the simple answer to this is free college, um, which is a proposal that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has, of course, been proposing. Um, you know, the governor of New York says we sort of have that here, although we that's not. we definitely do not um, because Governor Cuomo is a liar. But that is another show. Um, but, you know, look, free college. And how do we do that? We raise taxes on the wealthy people, the very people that are paying for their sons and daughters to get into colleges that they're not actually qualified to be at. And everybody always says, like, oh, free college. And then you hear this, well, how are you going to pay? for it. Well, I don't know. Last year, two-thirds of our budget went to the military. We spend more money on the military in this country than the next ten countries combined, nine of whom are our allies. So maybe if we diverted some of that money for education and we had an emergency about education in this country instead of an emergency about a border wall, we would have more money to send people to college and then we would actually have education become the great equalizer. And that's not to say racism would go away because, of course, we know right. from our many different conversations racism just doesn't go away when you give people free college but if people are no longer having to pay to go to college and instead we are funding college by having rich people pay higher taxes then we are in a better position to sort of work on some of the racial issues we have um, and then you know with that also comes the conversation about reparations that we had last week pay me my coins reparations so we talked about the racial disparities in education we talked about the widening wealth gap which again is 
happens also in education. We talked about affirmative action, and we also talked about a lot of reforms and actions that we can and should be taking in order to help equalize education for other people. But Stanley, I mean, final thoughts. What would you say, tangible actions, what can everyone and should we be doing um, to help, you know, help this issue? So, so reparations is intangible, right? No, no. If you, kidding, if that's your answer, if you say let's fight for reparations, then you know, go ahead. No, I, I mean the real solution to this is that we have to have a, a this a revolutionary shift in the way that we value people, property, money, and education. And then once we have that shift, we have to focus it on the people who don't always have the most power. And once we do that, we'll stop having issues like this where you can get into a school because you have money. But on the short term, invest in black colleges and blessed invest in colleges that like focus on non-white western diasporas and put your kids there right and even do things like supporting you know people of color and women of color that are going into things like stem for example i got a message the other day from a friend of mine who was like um i have a friend she's a young black woman she is the only black female in her stem class at this college and she really needs a laptop and they were doing a gofundme to try and help purchase her a laptop that she could use because she couldn't afford to buy a laptop that the majority white majority male students in her class were able to afford but i think you know Getting aside from the things you can do individually to help individuals is, is something I've talked about a lot. We have to recognize that all issues are interrelated. The issue of poverty is connected to the issue of education, which is connected to the issue of criminal justice reform. And it, until, unless and until we start looking at all these problems as a whole, we're not going to just solve one issue. Absolutely. And I'll just end by saying this. Besides the cheating scandal itself, there are entirely legal ways that the rich rig the college admission system they talk we uh, we didn't have a chance to talk about it but a lot of times when parents pledge donations it helps their kids get into these elite schools they also have what's called legacy students who are simply admitted because their parents went to the schools whether they gave a donation or not and then you have things like private prep schools again something that rich elite wealthy people can afford to get their 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 children into these schools and i feel like The reason why we have to take these reforms, I'm not going to repeat the ones that Alyssa and Stanley actually just laid out for us. But the fact of the matter is not every parent can afford to put a premium on a house so that their child is in an attendance zone of a high performing public school. And not every parent can afford to do things like test prep and sports equipment and put their kids in after school activities. And not every student is privileged enough for basic necessities like healthy food, medical care or personal safety which all come at a financial cost these are all the things that some of us take for granted and some of us have a lot of privilege and access to but the bottom line is the underprivileged students those who happen to be living in low-income communities of color they don't have this access access and resources and that's why it's imperative for us to pay attention to these issues and to make sure that we're doing everything we can to give them an education and a way out And on that note, I want to just thank everyone who tuned in and chimed into the discussion today. And, of course, continue to support us. The best way to do that is on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash BeHeardRadio. And when you give a small donation and support us, we will continue to support the causes and the issues that you care about. Till next Sunday, guys.